Well, you might have an idea what we're going to be talking about this morning with that song. What a great song. Good morning, family. We started this series a couple weeks ago called Power. And we're taking a look at things in the scripture that bring us power, talk about the power of God. This morning, I want to talk about, in fact, it's a two-part on this subject of power, and that is the power, the power of the covenant, <clears throat> the blood covenant. The blood covenant. What is the blood covenant? Um, it is a central theme in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the blood covenant is, is a central part of our faith in, as believers. Unfortunately, many people, many, don't understand the blood covenant, don't understand what it provides, don't understand what it means. It's, uh, that, that's why we're going to spend a couple of weeks on this as we take a look at the blood covenant. This morning, I want to look at the foundational principle of this blood covenant that, uh, that the scripture talks about. And we go all the way to the book of Genesis to start in understanding this principle in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had fallen, and all of a sudden they recognized that they were naked, their sin exposed their nakedness, exposed their, their you know, the, there was a, a shame involved in because of the result of sin. And they had sewn fig leaves on to kind of, you know, cover them up, and that wasn't enough. And the scripture says in verse 21, it says, so also uh, for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now there's argument about what animal he used. Um, maybe a lamb, um, is some, some say. But whatever it was, the fact was that God made a, a, an animal sacrifice. He, he sacrificed an animal. There was blood shed to cover them because they needed not just to be covered physically, they needed to be covered in their soul. Sin had tainted their soul. And God, right from the beginning, provided a way of covering their sin with a sacrifice of an innocent animal. The animal was innocent of the sin, yet it was its blood that would cover their sin. And that was the principle that would start from there all the way through scripture. But before God gave them this blood covering, he gave them a promise. And this promise is very important. It's foundational to the, in fact, the, the, the entire Bible. And understanding this promise, I think, is really important because you see what God had planned right from the beginning. And it's in, it's in the 15th verse of the third chapter, right prior to the time he gave them the blood uh, covering. He, he's speaking to the serpent, and I mean Satan, not, not the physical snake, but he's speaking to the serpent, and he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So the serpent and the woman, and between your seed 
and her seed. She will have a seed that represent, she's represented, representing the covered, you know, um, the sin-covered believer and her offspring and Satan's offspring. Now, Satan does have offspring. We're not talking about physical offspring like the woman would have, but he has offsprings who are spiritual offspring. Jesus himself had told the Pharisees that, you know, God was their father, and, he, and Jesus said, no, your father is the devil. He said, see, you have a spiritual father. He's the devil. And so God is saying, he's, he's, he's telling us down the road that there's going to be enmity between the seed of the woman, the spiritual seed, the covered seed, and the seed of the serpent, and there's going to be enmity. There's only two types of people in this world. Those who are, their, their sins are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and those who aren't. Those who God is their father, and those who God is the devil. Now, we don't like to think of it that way, but that's the way the scriptures describe it. That's the way it's divided out by God. And uh, in fact, in the Living Bible, it gives us a little bit more to this, but let me, before I read that, he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So he's talking to the serpent and saying that the seed down the road, whoever the seed is, is of the woman. That the seed down the road, this is one person is going to bruise your head or crush your head. In fact, in, in this modern, more modern translation, it says, from now on, you and the woman will be enemies, as will your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel, and he will crush your head. And that's exactly ha what happened at the cross. Jesus is the seed that crushes the head of Satan. He crushes his head. He gives him a death blow. Now the, the devil is not dead yet, but he's been giving a, given a death blow. There's nothing that can save him. He's already on his way out. You know, He's half in a coma, if you would. He's really in trouble. And there's no way out for him. He has been crushed and, he will, and, and, and uh, on his way to total destruction. Now, this starts in Genesis, and it is a theme throughout the scriptures. Some of the prophecies about Jesus and his sacrifice are direct prophecies. Some, throughout the scripture, are also, there's types and shadows of this event that's going to happen in the future, you know, standing from their, their standpoint, in the past for us now, that Jesus, that the Messiah would come and die for the sins of the people. But until then, there was a covering. And God made these covenants in, in the scripture, these blood covenants. And in, in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, leave the land that you're at, leave, leave your family, come to a land that I'm going to show you. And then he made this prob promise to him. He said that this land I'm going to show you, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you 
and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. What a promise that is. And he made that promise to Abraham. And it's a covenant that God ha would have with Abraham. And he says, through your seed, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be, in, you know, it, your offspring are going to be blessed by me. You know, whoever blesses them, they'll be blessed. Whoever curses them, they'll be cursed. And then I'm going to use you, I'm going to bless the whole world. Every, all the, the nations of the world, I'm going to bless through you. And that would actually happen when Jesus came. He, through his seed, through his offspring, Jesus would come and, in fact, rescue, the, you know, rescue mankind for those who would turn to him. The blood sacrifice would come. Now, uh, a couple chapters later, uh, God makes a blood covenant with Abraham. And what he does, and it was, it was a custom of that day, they called it a blood covenant. There's several ways blood covenants were used. But one of the ways they did it is they would take these animals, sacrifice them, and they would lay the, 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 their skins out, and then the people who, there would be a covenant. Now, now we don't do, you know, we don't go and kill Fido when we have a, you know, make a contract anymore, right? We don't do that. This is kind of odd in our culture. We have a contract we'll sign, okay? We're agreeing to this certain thing, and we make that contract. But they did, when it was an extreme, they didn't do this all the time, but a blood covenant meant this. If you don't follow through with your end of the bargain, then you can be killed, that that this is this is that this is that important that you don't if you don't follow through with this one, then you can be killed. So it kind of caused people to be a little bit more, you know, real and honest about making sure they did what they said they were going to do. Right? I'm going to kill you if you don't do it. Okay, I'll pay, you know, or whatever it be. So, but the way they did it is they would walk hand in hand through these animals, as they were, you know, spread out, they would walk in through, through the animals, and as they got to the end, they were then, had made a covenant with each other that was to death. God says, I want you to do this, Abraham. Sac bring the sacrifice, lay out the animals, and then instead of walking with Abraham through the the the, you know, the foreskins there, he puts Abraham to sleep. And Abraham is asleep, but God walks through. God walks through. All by himself. He doesn't do it. In other words, the covenant he was making, God is saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm holding my, I'm, I'm the one holding this, and and God would be the only one responsible for dying. Kind of hard to kill God. But the point was, Abraham, this really isn't about you. I'm making this covenant, and, it, and you have already done whatever needed to be done. You don't have anything you have to do. And that covenant was a, a fulfillment. It was, it was, this was the, the, the covenant, the blood covenant, for God had promised him and with the addition of description of the land. And in verse number 18 of chapter 15, I just want you to see it. It'll be on the screen. I want you to look at this in, in your Bibles. It said, he says, 
To your descendants I have given this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he lists all the, the peoples that live in that area and the land that they cover. He says, you know, the Canaanites and Kenizzites and Cadmonites and the Hittites and so forth. And all the people that lived in that whole region, he's saying, that land, I'm given to your offspring. He says, your offspring are going to go into Egypt for 400 years, and then I'm going to bring them out, and I'm going to take them to that land. And we, we read that story of what happened. And, and this is significant for today, and it's not the main purpose of my message, but when you're reading your newspaper or listening to the news, you're looking oftentimes about what this, what this promise that God had made is coming to pass now because God had said it, not because Abraham or anybody else, because God said this is what's going to take place, that the children of Israel will eventually go back to the land. Now, he had, he had also warned them when they were following him um, early on when he gave the law to them and the, the, what's called the Old Covenant, he gave the old covenant and he said to them, if you obey me, if you follow me, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you. You know, your children's going to be blessed. Your children's children. I'm just going to bless this nation. And they were the most blessed nation, wealthiest nation, you know, fruitful nation in the world. But he said, but I am bless you greatly if you follow me. But if you reject me, if you turn to other gods, if you denounce me, if you go away from me, he said, you'll be cursed worse than all the rest too. And that has happened. And he told them, I will scatter you around, you know, to other nations. And that's exactly happened for 2,000 years, right? They were scattered all over the world. But God promised, but eventually I'll bring you back. Because he made this promise to Abraham. This is a covenant he made with Abraham. And God has. All of a sudden, Jews started coming back, and now you know, about half the population of Jews in the world are in Israel. There's a nation there. And there are people, you know, there is the enmity against God's people there to get them out of the land. And that is a battle that's being fought right now. And people are, you know, there's a lot of pressure around the world against them. But God said he was going to do it. And just to understand, he said, when I bring you back, you're not leaving again. So all this talk about them splitting the land, and it's not going to happen. God made a covenant, and he's going to fulfill it. And it's already, already being fulfilled. Now, the blood covenant goes back in ancient history. In, in the ancient world, just about every culture has this concept of a blood covenant. And I believe it's because it happened with our first parents. And so it was spread throughout the world, throughout as, as you know, as, as, uh, as from generation to generation. And of course, some of it got twisted in other ways. And there are a lot of different ways in which the blood covenant, you know, was, uh, you know, taught or thought of and used in a lot of different really uh, bad ways and non-biblical ways. But it's been universal. In fact, there's a great story if, if you... Uh, Remember David Livingston and uh, Henry Stanley, you know, that old phrase, uh, it's Livingston, I presume, was one that, that uh, people would remember. But 
uh, Livingston was a missionary and uh, an explorer, and so was Stanley was an explorer, and, uh, and he also was a, a writer and a journalist. So Stanley went off to find David Livingston. He had been gone, and some people thought he was dead. And so they went to find him, and uh, when he found, he did find him. In fact, it was 1871. He found him, and in their conversation, Livingston said to Stanley, he said, he, he was working with these tribes, and he said, this one tribe that he was working on right then, the, the chief has just been really mean with him. In fact, he wasn't sure about his future life. He thought maybe he would kill him. But he was making all these demands on him. And he didn't like it. And he didn't know what to do. And so he asked Stanley. Because Stanley seemed to be doing okay. And he asked him, you know, he said, he said, this guy won't bother me. He says, and Stanley said, you need to make a blood covenant with him. And he said, why do I need to do that? He said, if you make a blood covenant with, the, with, the, you know, with that chief, things will work out for you. What he didn't know is Stanley had made 50 blood, uh, I mean, uh, blood covenants. And wherever he went, and what they would do is they would cut their, their, their arm and, and they would bleed out some of that blood into a cup, sometimes with you know, juice or, or wine or water, what have you, and they, it would be mixed up, and then they would drink it and they would share it. I know it sounds wonderful. <coughs> Terrible, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of like some of you, you might, some, some of you a little older, your parents probably don't allow this anymore. But when we were kids, we would, do, we would become blood brothers. You know, our friends, we'd cut our finger and the other one cut, and you put your finger together and now you're a blood brother, right? People don't want to pass blood anymore. There's, you know, too much diseases people think about. But, but they, they would do that. And so finally... Livingston said, yeah, I got to do something. And he didn't want to do it, but... And here's the thing, that in the blood covenant, once they did that, it meant everything that you owned was the other person's and they owned was yours. And you had a right to eat any of those things. So they'd usually choose one. Well, Stanley didn't want to do it because, um, because the chief wanted his goat, literal goat. He wanted his goat. His goat, see, he had stomach problems, and the only thing he could drink was goat's milk. And he didn't want to give his goat up. But that's, the chief was just, you know, he wouldn't relent. He just, I want the goat. So he said, okay, you can have my goat. I'll have to trust God in this. And the chief gave him a staff, his staff. It was a, kind of a weave staff. And so... Stanley, you know, well, I got a staff. He got my goat. Um, but what he found out is wherever he went to all the other tribes, whenever he had his staff with them, the people would bow down and kneel when he came in. Because they knew that he had had a blood covenant with that chief. And if you went against him, you were going against that chief. The other thing that happened in this blood covenant, once they did that and they drank and, and did that, did, then made the exchange of gifts, then a priest, one of the religious guys, people, 
started to pronounce, and Livingston was shocked by it, he started pronouncing all these curses, like the worst thing you could happen to you. You know, you, you, you'd be eaten by, you know, worms and you die of, you know, pain and all your children's, you know, and just they go through this whole thing with all these curses that if you break it, you know, if they don't find you and can't kill you, this is going to happen to you, the curses. Now, it's meaningful, all these things, because when you look at the blood covenant, you see these, these things that are connected to the covenant. When God made a, uh, gave the old covenant and he told them how to, they're to operate, then he took them, the, the children of Israel, and had them go on two mountainsides, Gerizim and Ebal. And on one side, they pronounced blessing. And on the other side, they pronounced cursing. It said, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. Those curses, by the way, we're going to talk about next week, but um, in a little bit more detail. But the fact was, this was the blood covenant God was making with the children of Israel, the Old Testament covenant that would come. And we see, we see symbols of it and pictures of it in other locations. For instance, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, there were 10 plagues. And the last plague to force the Egyptians to let the children of Israel go and worship the Lord was the, the, the death of the firstborn. That God was, that there would be a death angel that would go forth and kill all the firstborn in Egypt. But there was a way of escape. And God told them, and we, we find it in Exodus chapter 12, and verse 5, it says, you're uh, to take a lamb, and it says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. And make it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it at twilight. Now, the, all these things are a picture of the future. Jesus would die, right, at twilight. He would be a male without blemish, no sin. Because all of this is continually looking forward to the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, that wouldn't just cover sin, but would forgive sin. The 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 blood of bulls and goats will never cleanse you from all your sin. So all that God did is, as, as, uh, as Paul described it, God blinked by covering us, uh, blinked at our sin by covering us with blood, animal sacrifice, but those sacrifices would never be enough. No one would get to, you know, you wouldn't get to heaven by having your sins covered. In fact, Old Testament saints were, were, went to paradise, a different holding place, not heaven. Then heaven en ended up going to, uh, I mean, uh, paradise ended up going to heaven. All those ended up in heaven after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because their sins were covered until the sacrifice that Jesus made. They were looking forward to the cross. We look back. 
at the cross. So, um, so he, he says, you know, that if, and now this is what they did. Now this is, I'm going to show you my artwork. It's really bad. Uh, but the blue is supposed to be like a doorpost, right? And then they were to take the blood of the lamb and they were to put it at the top and on both sides. And they would splash it on top, splash on one side, splash on the other side, right? And the blood would come down. That, by the way, that would make a cross. You can see the cross there. But here's the, the point of it is that you can put it down. It's, you, don't, you don't want them staring at that anymore. <laughs> uh, the point of it is that anybody could be in the house in which the, if the blood was on the doorpost, anybody could be inside, both Jew and Gentile, anybody. So if their neighbor says, hey, can we come in? We heard that they're going to, you know, the death angel's coming. Can we come in with you? Absolutely, come on in. And here's the thing, that everybody who was in, as long as they were in, it didn't matter. It wasn't an issue of the degree of sin as long as they were in. In other words, the death angel wouldn't come to the door, look in and go, hey, you, you, you really messed up. Come on out. No. It didn't matter. The, the level of failure, the matter of level of sin, as long as you were inside the covering, right? You were in the house that the blood was at the door. So, God, God chose that the way in which cleansing would happen, the way in which sin would be covered, would be through the blood. It's kind of interesting, but the word sin in the Bible um, it shows up 447 times in the Bible. The word blood shows up 447 times in the Bible. For every sin, there's a blood sacrifice cleansing. And so, God throughout the Old Testament, for instance, he not only had sacrifice and then from that point on, as, the, as Moses came along and instituted the Old Covenant, there was sacrifice for sin. Each family had to sacrifice. You sacrifice for your own sin by, you know, taking your lamb and sacrificing every year. You would take your sin offerings and you would bring them before God and you would sacrifice. There would be, there would be bloodshed and your sins would be covered. And then as a nation... There was a day of atonement and every year for the nation and for the sins that people for, would not re, know was sin or they sinned unknowingly. S then sacrifice was made, a goat was sacrificed, the blood was taken in, into the holy place and sprinkled on the mercy seat and, and all that went on until Jesus came. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated people from the holy place, the presence of God was rent from top to bottom. 
and access was made for each person to come into the presence of God because not only were there, now their sins weren't just covered, their sins were forgiven and cleansed because of what Jesus did on the cross. <clears throat> and, and folks, blood is the only agent that can cover or cleanse our soul from sin. It is the only agent. And, and it, the, the, the blood sacrifice teaches us two things. The first thing it teaches us is how horrendous sin is. How horrible sin is. We don't get it. You know, we think, yeah, I didn't hurt anybody. I did this. It wasn't really a big deal. From heaven's standpoint, it is a huge deal. It is a huge deal. Because we're rebelling against the almighty. You don't get almighty. The almighty, all-knowing. You don't get all-knowing, right? I'm just talking about that. We don't get all-knowing. Holy, altogether different, holy, pure, you don't get pure. We have sinned against him, the great I am. And we don't get it. We don't get what sin is. We, 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 we don't consider what it really is and how horrible it is. And God gives us a picture because the blood sacrifice says this, it is so horrible, only the taking of an innocent life can cover the guilty on this one. You understand? And our smallest sin still requires blood to cleanse us. It's so dark. It's so corrupt. And we need to be cleansed from that. We need to be clean. Because the fact is we're, we're dirty. We get dirty. I remember... Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, actually. I, um, um, we were at camp, up at Camp Cedarcrest, where our kids go. We were at camp, and the leader of the camp said, all the youth pastors, come, come up. We, we need to talk to you. So they said, come follow us. So they didn't tell us what we were going to do. They, so we follow them up, and they go up this hill. And at the top of this hill was the place where all the sewage from the camp had gone into they had a like a reservoir it was almost the size of this room of sewage and what had happened it was um it was cold it was there was ice and and um and the pipes i guess had gotten clogged up and there were some problems and they had to stop it from and now it was it had been filling up and it was getting ready to it was starting to break through one of the sides and if it did, all that sewage would have gone into the streams that would have gone down the mountain, and there would have been big there would have been a price to pay. Probably close down the camp for who knows if they'd ever get the camp back, but it would be a big deal. It would be huge fines, all of that. They says, you've got to help us. And I thought, this is why you didn't tell us until we, you got us up here. <clears throat> So, you know, we put, <laughs> we wrapped up with 
plastic bags and, band, and rubber bands around our ankles and doing anything. But we had to sludge in that thing and fill up sandbags and, and shore up that whole thing. We were full of, yeah, makes you want to gag. <laughs> makes me want to gag when I think about it. <laughs> and so, but nobody in the camp, at least for the next day or two, couldn't use the toilets, couldn't flush the toilets, and couldn't use the showers. But graciously, they said, since you guys, you can use the shower, right? So when I got back, I mean, filled with this, I got back and I said, hi, sweetheart. There's, Carol was there at camp, and I jumped in bed with her before I showered. No. <laughs> Isn't that gross? No. See, she, you know what she did? She just pointed to the bathroom. She just pointed. You're going in there because you need to get clean. Listen, we all have sewage on us. It's ugly stuff. Heaven, heaven says no way. You go in there. You go in and get the blood because the blood is the only thing that can clean that sewage off of you. And that's, you know, the, the, the wonderful blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Go to Romans chapter 3, if you can. In verse number 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm glad it doesn't stop there. Being justified. That means just as if you'd never sinned. Freely. It's a free gift, right? Justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, that's the ransom price paid for deliverance. I said blood teaches us two things. The first thing it teaches us is how horrible sin is. Let me tell you what, the, what, what blood teaches us as well. The second thing blood teaches us is how valuable you are to God. How valuable you are to God. <clears throat> you know? The sacrifice he made, the blood that was shed, that just says how important you are that he would be willing to do that. And that wasn't like a last minute, I think I might have to die for these people kind of thing. This was something he anticipated before the foundation of the earth. He knew that if he gave you, gave you and me free choice, we would blow it. He knew that, and he knew the only answer was blood sacrifice, and it would be his. And so he did that on our behalf as he chose us. He says, you're worth my blood. See, if the devil, this, this, what you think of yourself and who you are, to the level that you see yourself is how the devil sees you and reacts to you. If you think you are a, a grasshopper, then the devil thinks you're a grasshopper. And he will treat you like a grasshopper. You know what I'm talking about, Exodus? 
children of Israel, not, I mean, not Exodus, but children of Israel going in the promised land. We see them as giants. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. And if you see yourself less than the value that God sees you, the devil will take advantage of that. And you'll be susceptible to that. Because he can throw lies and deceptions and all kinds of things at you. Twi- twi- he can twist every truth. And you'll, you'll suck right into it. He can manipulate you. He can get you to say yes to something less than what you deserve. People are doing it all the time. Yeah, I'll accept that because I'm really not worth any more than that. But if you know who you are, that's why the blood covenant is so important. You know how valuable you must be to God? I don't care what other people think about you. Really doesn't matter, does it? What really matters is what the God, the God of the universe thinks about you. And so he says, grace through the redemption, that is the price, a ransom price, it was a price of his blood. He paid for you, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That means a substitute. The Hebrew word actually means mercy seat. So the propitiation, the substitute by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. See, the, because, his, of, because in his forbearance, that's his restraint, his tolerance. He tolerated and he covered us. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be the just and justifier. Would you say that with me? Just and justifier. Say that again. Just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Just and justifier. What does that mean? Let me give the illustration. I've given it before. If you've heard this several times, please uh, just forbear. Right? I'm driving. I'm heading, and I'm in a hurry, and I don't look, pay attention, but I'm way past the speed limit. So much so, when the cop pulls me over, he almost could take me in right then, but he gives me a ticket, and th- he says, this one, because you're so far... I, you know, uh, beyond the speed limit, you cannot just send your check and you're, you're going to have to show up at court. And so I reluctantly show up to court knowing that this is going to be a huge fine and I don't have any money. So I walk in to the court anticipating I'm going to have to see this judge and when I look up, oh, wow, it's dad. My dad's the judge. He showed up today and I didn't know he was going to be standing, you know, behind the you know, uh, in, in the, behind the desk there. So he looks at me, and, and he said, let me see what you got. And I said, Dad, isn't it so great that you're here? <laughs> he says, could you just kind of tear it up and let me go? And, and, of course, Dad, he's got integrity. In fact, he's just. He's so just that he says, there's no way. No, you're guilty. And you have to pay the fine. But I don't have the money. So what dad can do, and what he, is he can take his robe and place it behind his chair, walk around, take his wallet, 
pull out the money and lay it down. He can go back, take his robe, put it on, receive the payment, and say, paid in full. He is just and justifier of him who couldn't justify ourselves. He paid the price. That's what Jesus did. God left heaven. He came. You couldn't pay for it, but it couldn't just be go. God couldn't just go, ah, don't worry about it. He couldn't do that. If he did that, he would not be just. Justice required death. Justice required death. There had to be a blood sacrifice, and only by a lamb without blemish. The sacrifice had to be pure. And so the pure sacrifice went and shed his blood on the cross for us. So he was the just and justifier. And when Jesus said, it is finished, he had paid the price. And he, it was received by the Father. Jesus rose from the dead, just and justifier of those who believe. Listen, there's no other way. There's no, nothing else that can cleanse your sin but blood. The blood sacrifice. And only one. Only one blood sacrifice. It had to be pure. To cleanse all of your sin and mine. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our Savior. The blood of the new covenant. I don't... My, my prayer is that we would catch, we would really grasp what it meant for God to do that. The sacrifice he made. We would start to get a little bit of a grasp of what our sin does. That when we sin, it breaks the heart of God and it is a big deal. Not to condemn us, but then to cause us to turn to a loving God who values us so much that he paid the price and that we can walk and be cleansed. We got to get the filth off and we got to be cleansed and we come before him. His blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all of our sin. We confess our, our, we confess our faults. We confess our sin before God and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ. And that we're more grateful and we stand, even, even though we know that our sin is dirty and filthy, and, but we stand strong because we also know that there's a God in heaven that values us so much. He didn't, he was willing to give at all. He paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood. Can't be loved more than that. So I want to pray. And if I want to pray for those of you that you've not made that exchange, your sin for his righteousness. You've not really put your trust in Christ. You're not living trusting Jesus. And this is your opportunity. Now's the day for you to say yes to Jesus. 
And you can simply do it this way. It's very simple. You just pray this prayer to say, Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins and who died on the cross for me. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world and that he died for me and he was buried and he conquered death. And I receive him as my Savior and I ask you, Jesus, into my life. Cleanse my soul and help me to follow you from now on. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I, um, I want to let you know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, you're going to follow Jesus. When we dismiss service, in that door, there'll be someone there to help you get started in your walk with God. We have a uh, Bible. We have other, imp- uh, other things to help you get started in your walk with God. And there'll be someone there to just pray with you and let you, it won't take a minute, but just go into that door and, and, uh, and get the information. Also, if you're a guest with us, we have a gift for you. Uh, also through there, there's another uh, table and there'll be someone there to help you. And just to let you, get, give you kind of a, a chance to ask any questions about our church and, and all of that if you would like, and some pastors will be in there just to talk, to, talk with you if you'd like. Um, but um, we have this gift for you. It's a, it's a $1,000 check. <laughs> I, or something. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. But, uh, but just, um, I encourage you, I mean, if, if you're here, you, if you fill out the connection card, you can bring it there, or you can put it in the offering bucket as it goes around. And I'm, we're going to close with just a couple worship songs and the ushers are getting ready to receive the offering. I do want to make mention of this. Um, next week, see, we just talked about a segment of the blood covenant. Remember we talked about the curses? There, the curses, there is a way through the blood covenant to break the curses. And, but you have to know how to apply it. So next week, we're going to talk about how to apply the blood covenant to break the curses. And uh, you, you need to be here next week and get that. Okay? Just want to encourage you. Well, Father, we ask that as we bring the work of our hands the, in offering, Lord, and the expression of our heart as we lift up in song to you, that you'd be honored and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.